You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're in the fourth chapter of Shekalem. And we're going to pick up on the sixth Mishnah. We're going to learn three Mishnayot today. Six, seven, eight. Which all deal in some way with questions of donations. Donations which are given to the temple. And questions as to how we deal with these donations if we can't immediately apply them to the purpose to which they were given. And I know that's that's a little bit theoretical in general, but let's just try to jump into the Mishnah and I think it'll all become extremely clear. Hamadishna Sachav, someone who dedicates his possessions, and that there were among them things which were fit for public offerings. So these are not personal offerings. So these were kind of, uh, maybe there's an animal that might have been, might, might potentially be used for a public offering. And the Mishnah says, So the Mishnah doesn't say we're going to sacrifice on the, on the altar as public offerings. It says we'll give them to the craftsmen. As their wages, according to Rabbi Akiva. And this sounds really weird. If someone dedicates his possessions and they're fit for public offerings, why are we going to give them to the craftsmen for their wages? And the key is in the word public, that public donations have to be purchased with public funds. We've mentioned this concept perhaps a couple of times in the last few days. Public the, 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 um, and of course, the concept of the half shekel is that it's donated by everyone in Israel. The rich don't give more and the poor don't give less. It's like a poll tax. Everybody has a part in keeping together the, the if you like, the, the body of the sanctuary and its regular offerings. And if someone just personally gives a ram or a lamb or something that can't be used for a public offering because it's come from an individual. So the question that is vexing the treasurers is, okay, how are we going to take these animals and how are we going to convert them into public offering, into publicly owned offerings? And when Rabbi Akiva says we're going to give them to the workmen, Let's just have a look at a flow diagram to just explain how that works. So a public donor, I've, I've drawn this out as day one and day two. Actually, day one and day two could happen in the morning and the afternoon of the same day. But this is broadly what happens, and it happens in two stages, if you like. Stage one and stage two. So stage one, the donations are suitable, which are suitable for sacrifices are given to the temple. And then they are given to the workmen in lieu of the wages. So if you like, the workmen give their work to the temple and they get the donations. And this exchange, this exchange of work for donations makes the donations effectively unconsecrated. So we've, we've swapped, we've redeemed. We've redeemed the work that the workmen have provided with the donations. So those are now unconsecrated. And that means that the workman can just hold on to them. And that allows us to proceed to day two. So on day two, the treasury is going to provide the workman's wages in cash to the temple. 
because of course we need to pay the workers in cash. They need cash to pay their bills. We then take that cash, we, we give the cash to the workmen and we buy back the donations so that the workmen end up with their cash as they would need to pay their bills. And we've now bought back the donations, but we bought them back with public funds. We bought them back with funds from the half shekel contributions. So at this point, we now have public offerings, not private offerings, and then we can offer them on, on the altar. This is the financial engineering that Rabbi Akiva is proposing. And Ben Azai doesn't agree. Ben Azai often disagrees with Rabbi Akiva, by the way. Ben Azai does not agree. He says, Amar um, law um, Ben Azai, Einahi Hamida, we don't do it that way. Essentially, Ben Azai does not agree that you can deconsecrate. You can deconsecrate these donations just by giving them to the workmen in lieu of wages. And he wants a more complex flow diagram like the one that we looked at yesterday. He actually wants to carve out the workmen's wages to swap them. He wants the treasurer of the temple to swap them for cash. So he wants to deconsecrate them in the temple by swapping them for cash and then give the deconsecrated gifts to the workmen so that the following day, the workmen can then sell their gifts back in return for their wages. So he wants a slightly more complex path, which we charted out yesterday. It's in the previous Mishnah. And the way he describes it is, look, we, we carve out the wages of the workers. And we basically make the donations whole. We convert them from Kodesh to Chol, from holy to profane, by swapping them with the wages of the workers. Then we can give the donations to the workers, as their, as their, as their wages, and then when we get a new appropriation of cash for the sanctuary, we can then buy them back from the workers with the new appropriation. So they, Ben Azai and Rabbi Akiva both do some kind of financial engineering, but Ben Azai's is slightly more complex. But the principle, though we're careful about the Kedusha of things donated to the temple, and we're also careful about the public, the publicness of public offerings offered on the altar, those are the two principles we want to keep, keep, keep hold of. And the financial engineering allows us to hold on to those principles. What if someone dedicated possessions which were, could be maybe used for private sacrifices, for non-public sacrifices? So that's the next Mishnah. So someone dedicates their possessions, possessions and there was among them an animal fit for the altar. This is not for a public sacrifice. It's just a private sacrifice. Male and female. Rabbi Eliezer says, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, so we sell the males for the use of burnt offerings. Because burnt offerings have to be male animals. And females should be sold for the use of peace offerings. I've translated them as peace offerings. Some people translate them as whole offerings. 
and the proceeds should be combined with the other possessions for the repair of the temple. So in other words, when someone rolls, rocks up to the temple and says, look, I want to offer a burnt offering, but I don't have one, but I do have money. We can sell them one of these animals as a burnt offering and they can contribute their money and then we can use that money to repair the temple. And Rabbi Hoshua has a similar but slightly different day. Rabbi Hoshua, we could offer the males themselves as burnt offerings. We don't have to go through the, the cash transfer because they're eligible. But the females were going to sell for the use of peace offerings and then exactly the same way. And with the proceeds, we buy burnt offerings and the other possessions go to the repair of the temple. And Rabbi, um, uh, Rabbi Akiva says, Rabbi Akiva Omer, I prefer, I prefer, I agree with. Very interesting use of the word ro'e. Ro'e normally means to see, but here it might mean to agree with. Um, maybe like in the Tehillah, nar ha'iti begums, I can't even ra'iti tzadik nezav. I never agreed with a tzadik being abandoned. So Rabbi Akiva says, I agree with the words of Rabbi Eliezer. Better than I agree with the words of Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Eliezer just had one rule. One rule for both kinds of sacrifices. But Rabbi Joshua made a difference. And then Rabbi um, Rabbi Papias comes up actually with a, an interesting, uh, interesting take. He's Amar Rabbi Papias. He says, "Shemati I've heard an explanation that goes with both of your explanations, both of their explanations. someone who dedicates to the temple explicitly. We don't quite know what he said. He seems to have made some declaration, like I want to give these." possessions to be sacrificed on the altar. Something like that. Then it goes according to Rabbi Eliezer. We have Matish Stam, someone who just dedicates to the temple without specifying. So he just says, well, I'm just giving my property to the temple. They can, no qualification. It's according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehoshua. So Rabbi Pass seems to be able to bring together the two opinions. What about other things which were fit for the altar? So Amadish Nasachim Vahayubahem Devarim Ru'in al Gabe Hamzbeya, Ye not Shmanim Vitofot. So what about someone dedicating his possessions to the temple and there were things fit for the altar like wines or oils or birds and all of these could be offered on the altar? Rabbi Rabbi Elazar Omer, Rabbi Elazar says, Yimat Krulus or Che or Tormin, we should they should be sold for the offerings of each particular kind. So in other words, when someone comes out and they say they want some wine or they want some oil or they want some birds, we sell them those kinds of offerings and then we turn them into cash. And they have leaved me hem or lot. And then with the money we can buy sacrifices, we can buy burnt offerings, the Vedek. Habite. And the other, the other, what is that, whatever is left over goes to maintain 
the fabric of the house, i.e. the fabric of the temple. And of course, as is today, there's enormous interest in this Masechet. Um, this Masechet is almost a handbook, actually, for running the temple. There's enormous interest in maintaining the structure of the temple. And that's clearly a worry, you know, it was clearly uppermost in the minds of the those who ran the temple at the time of the Mikdash, perhaps as it is uppermost in the, in the minds of people responsible for any public institution today. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>